Looking for the best place to buy tickets for any of your favorite teams or sporting events? We've got the spot. Our partner, StubHub, has been the leading ticket marketplace in the world for over 20 years, providing a 100% guarantee with every order. From a worldwide selection of live events, the widest choice of tickets and industry-leading partnerships, StubHub has what you need to purchase with confidence. StubHub, an official partner of The Athletic. I want to tell you a story. It's a story about a scandal, broken relationships, gossip, rumors, money, corporate rivalry, and a broom. A performance-enhancing broom. My name is John Cullen. I'm a comedian, podcaster, and for 20 years, I was a semi-professional curler. And I want to tell you the story about how a single broom almost imploded the 500-year-old sport of curling. We felt like we were bringing a knife to a gunfight. It's the story of a superstar and his fall from grace. Oh, I was being dragged through the mud. It's the story of two brother entrepreneurs with a dream. Yeah, I said, that's great news. It's a story of intrigue. I still don't understand why we want to keep his name secret. The full story has never been told, so I'm going to tell it. Broomgate. How a broom almost killed curling. It was a year I'd like to forget. To listen to Broomgate, search for Broomgate in your favorite podcast app. That's all one word. Broomgate. Hey, it's Robert Mays, host of The Athletic Football Show. This year, we're covering the NFL Draft like we never have before. Live from a TV studio on site in Kansas City. Join me, Nate Tice, and our draft expert, Dane Brugler, on our YouTube channel at 7.30 p.m. Eastern Time this Thursday as we bring the Athletic Football Show's unique brand of analysis to the first round of the NFL Draft. And when the draft gets going for the second and third rounds on Friday, we'll be right there too, kicking off our coverage at 6.30 p.m. Eastern. Search The Athletic Football Show on YouTube to find our channel and subscribe now to make sure you don't miss a second of our 2023 NFL Draft coverage. This is the Athletic Hockey Show. Welcome back. It is the Monday edition of the Athletic Hockey Show, and it's a three-headed monster coming your way here. It's Ian Mendes. It's Julian McKenzie and Julian, who do we got? Rounding out the line with us. So we, we, we need, do we need a nickname for this line too? I don't know if. Uh, oh, you know what? That's actually a good point, man. Like Mark Lazarus. First off, thanks for hanging out with us. But like, if we were like a, a line, actually, who plays where, and what would our nickname be? Oh well, I can guarantee you, Lazarus, based on his reputation, would not be a right winger. <laughs> so I would suspect. Why does he keep drifting to the left? Good lord. Oh, that's oh, beautiful. Guys. That's beautiful. Welcome to the R. show, R. buddy. Mark Lazarus. Oh, my God. That's right. That's right. Oh, oh yeah. my God. That was, that's brilliant. That was just. I just said we end the wow. podcast now. Home We're run. not topping that. Home run. We don't need to do anything else. Uh, congratulations, uh, our, our noted left winger, uh, Mark Lazarus. Uh, well, 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 all right, let's come up with a name. We got what? We got a, a J and I and that. We're the Jimbo line. I don't know. That's terrible. Julian, Ian, Mark. Yeah, Jim. Jim That's all right. Jim could work. Uh, if people get really bad at us, we could just be the woke line. I don't know. <laughs> well, the three M's, though, right? The soy uh, boys Mc- with a Z at the, the end. Soy- 
That's so, so annoying. <laughs> Oh, the M's, the M's, yeah, the M's line cool. McKenzie, oh, yeah, yeah. There you go. McKenzie, Mendez, Mark, and Mark. McKenzie, Mendez, yeah, yeah, yeah. Brought to you by 3M. There you go. Hey, but oh, this is great, Laz. Man. We are so happy to have you with us because uh, you, this was like. Let's just start here, guys. How great was this weekend in hockey? Like Saturday night was was amazing. Three overtime games, and then we get the Edmonton LA uh, overtime game. Uh, I mean, Laz, I know your base kind of, you're camped out in New York right now. You got Devils Rangers and, and Hurricanes Islanders came through. Uh, let, let's start with you, Laz. Like right now, pick the one series that you're the most kind of engaged and and find compelling right now through the first week of the playoffs. I'll tell you, it's killing me. You know, I, 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 got, I, 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 I wanted this assignment to come out here. I'm like, Devils Rangers, what could be better than that? Throw in some Islanders Canes on the side. That'll be fun. And I'm looking around and all the good series are everywhere else. <laughs> like I've, I've seen three five to one games already. I got even the Rangers game three, the overtime game where the Devils won and made a game of it. It wasn't that great a game, even for like a playoff overtime. It didn't really seem to have that vibe. I'm I'm looking at Minnesota, Dallas, and Edmonton, LA. That's where the drama is. That's where the the the, the blood feuds are starting to pick up. That's where the officiating is coming into play. I love a good officiating uh, controversy. Uh, that's where all the fun is right now. It's out west. Yeah, yeah, I have to say, like, you know, Edmonton, L.A., for me, might be the most interesting series. And I think we probably might have to show some love to Toronto, Tampa, but that might depend on what game four uh, ends up being. But the fact that the Edmonton Oilers uh, have found themselves a situation where they're tied in that series, and you could make an argument they probably could have, if they really played well, probably give themselves a 3-0 series lead. Think about that first period in game four for L.A. That was like the best they had looked all series long. And yeah. they still blew that lead. And this might be like, you know, everyone's looking at Connor McDavid and, and what points he's getting at five on five. And all the while, Leon Dreisaitl was just chilling, being on the ice for every single one of one of those goals scored by the Edmonton Oilers in this series. People are going to put some respect on Leon Dreisaitl's name this postseason. And I think this series goes a long way uh, towards that. If people how, weren't how doing that already. How is there not already respect on Leon Dreisaitl? You'd be surprised. He did last You'd Western be Conference surprised. Final. He was You'd on be one surprised. leg. He looked like a You'd flamingo out there on one leg just skating around. And he was still the best You'd player be on the ice. Surprised. You'd be surprised. Incredibly. surprised. For the whatever disrespect. reason. I, you'd be surprised. People like Connor McDavid, I get it. You know, uh, uh, Nathan McKinnon, I get it. We're best players in the world right now. Leon Dreisaitl, the point that you brought it up, the fact that he did what he did last year, like we should not be, it's kind of weird to think of him as like second fiddle or like 1A even to Connor McDavid. But like he brings it in so many he's, key moments. He's literally the best passer in the world. He's also a 50 goal scorer. I mean, what Come more on. do you need out of a guy? I think Dreisaitl suffers from the same thing that Evgeny Malkin suffered through for years, that Sergei Fedorov did for years, that to some extent Peter Forsberg did for years, which is, uh, and maybe even Yarmir Yager back in the day, like you're a dominant player, but you're North American-born, you know, kind of a teammate. They get all the accolades, and because you're from overseas, you're not quite, you're not, I don't know. It's the weird, like Leon Dreisaitl might very well be the second best player in the game. Right, like I mean, he's absolutely in that conversation. I think he's he, no lower he's than top five, that's for sure. No, and he's elevate each year. Like last, like last year in the playoffs, one leg, one leg. This guy, uh, he elevates his game in the Stanley Cup playoffs, and it's it's it is amazing if we somehow aren't giving enough respect to Drysaddle, right? And it's tough. He's on, he, he's playing on the same team as the greatest player who ever lived, the most talented mm-hmm. and skilled player who ever lived. 
that's tough. And like you said, the, the, there is a xenophobic angle to this that you can't ignore where Leon Dreisaitl is not going to get marketed the way that Connor McDavid is going to get marketed. But, um, you know, it's also the Edmonton factor has to play into it too, right? I mean, Edmonton's kind of out of sight, out of mind to most of the continent. It's so far away. The games are on late. Um, it's not an American city, which I know you guys don't want to hear, but it makes a difference uh, for the uh, the fan base down here. It's just like, you know, can you imagine, you already got Austin Matthews in Toronto and you've got McDavid and Dreisaitl up in Edmonton. What if Bedard goes to, you know, Montreal or something like that? Like the league can't, the, the NHL would lose its mind. You can't have every great player in Canada. That doesn't work for the league. Is this no, that, is this your way of saying the fix is in at the draft? Is this what, <laughs> when, when Connor Bedard ends up in Columbus or Anaheim, we're going to go back to this club? If, if it's rigged, it's, he's going to wind up in either Chicago, Detroit, or Philadelphia, let's be honest. Oh, that's actually a bit much better point, yes. The league does not want him in Columbus part. or Anaheim either, although Columbus would be great because that, that's a team that's got some talent. Guys, but yeah, We're getting off topic here, but um, yeah, yeah but, but it does make a difference in terms of these guys' visibility to be in Canada. Now, Matthews being in Toronto, that's Toronto. That's different. But to be in Edmonton, like most Americans couldn't tell you where the hell Edmonton is on a map. And I like Edmonton. Uh, I love going up there, but it's just not on the radar for American hockey fans. Most Americans couldn't tell you where Toronto is on the map either, but that's another. Couldn't tell you where Chicago is on the map. I mean, yeah. you've seen our education system lately. Oh yeah. my but, god! But 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 hey, here's the deal: we'll take the star. We'll take the star players in Canada. We'll take the elite players. You guys get the Stanley Cups. It, it seems to work out okay, I guess, for everybody in that way. Yeah, yeah. Just not just being enough. Is it? I have a question with with the the whole duo thing and and how we did. You did kind of mention some players who. You know, they're the European counterparts for whatever reason playing second fiddle. I don't know why. Like, I think of like when when Wayne Gretzky and Mark Messier were playing. Is that not the same thing? I mean, does that not fall into that category? Like, I wasn't around in their heyday, but like, how was Mark Messier marketed? Does that fall in that same category? Well, I don't Mess- know. If, Messier like- didn't become Mark Messier until he went to New York. That's when he became Mark Messier when he you know mm-hmm. undid the curse in New York after fifty four years, and that's when he became the captain of all captains, a guy who could name award after himself and just randomly pick dudes to win it, like. In, in in Edmonton, he still was. I mean, he was he was the, he was great. Obviously, he's an all time great player. But I don't think he became the legend that he is until he left Edmonton and got out of Gretzky's shadow. Then I wonder for a guy like Leon Dreisaitl if that has to do the same thing. Like yeah. I, I think about it for Leon. And one storyline that was that got propped up at the beginning of the series is how him and Leon Dreisaitl, him and Anze Kopitar are like friends, and it, you know they just so happen to be playing against each other in the series, and they're putting whatever friendship aside. Like, could you imagine if Leon Dreisaitl, who I forget how long until his contract expires, but dude just said, you know what? I want to be the guy in my own city and I'm going to be a free agent. I can either take over where Anze left off or go to some other big market. Like, is that what it's going to take for us to properly give Leon his due? Go to an American market like an L.A. or a New York, for example. Like, is that is, is that what it's going to take for, for us to properly, I don't know, just put put. Leon Dreisaitl on the pedestal that he should a, belong to. A superstar from Edmonton going to L.A., it'll never work. Yeah, yeah I've never heard of that never before. I've seen that story before. Yeah. <laughs> I I don't know. It's 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 a good point. Um, you know, it, it is. It's, it's a great point. But then, uh, I don't know. If, if it, look, I, I think Dreisaitl, his best chance right now, if he wants to win a cup, I think we can agree that doing it with McDavid is the best chance for him now, right? Like, sure, sure. maybe down the road going somewhere else, making his own thing. But you know what? Like, Mark Messier did, like, when the Oilers won their first Stanley Cup, Mark Messier was the Conn Smythe trophy winner. Isn't that funny? Like, 
it, it's interesting, but you're right, Laz. Like, even though Messier won that first, he was the Consumite Trophy winner in, I think it was 84. And then in 1990, he led the Oilers to a cup without Gretzky. Without Wayne Gretzky. He, still, he has at least two without still, Gretzky. Yeah, but he still didn't get to that stratosphere until he went to New York and he vanquished the 54-year drought. That You're 100% right on that. You know, the dry sidle things, it, it's fascinating to me because, like, if you ask your average hockey fan who the best players in the world are right now, they're going to say McDavid, they're going to say Matthews, they're going to say McKinnon, they might say McCarr. Most of them aren't even going to bring up Dreisaitl, and he's certainly in the top five. Like you said, he very well could be the second best player in the world. Um, and it, it, it is, he's, he, he is in as big a shadow as you can have in the NHL right now. And it works. Like, hey, super teams in the NBA work out just fine. That's how you win a championship is you have to have more than one star. Taves and Kane did just fine together. Uh, you know, and if poor like, you know, Patrick Sharp had to sit there as like a sixth fiddle. Like you need a bunch of stars to win a cha- championship in this league. But it, I don't know if Dreisaitl cares. <laughs> he d- he doesn't I strike me that. as a guy who's out there like, you know, hey, look at me. I'm, I, I deserve more credit. He knows how good he is. When you talk to him, he knows how good he is. And I think he's perfectly content up there. I don't think he's I don't think he knows. In, 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 he's a guy who's thinking about chasing a legacy at any point. That's fair. That's a fair point. But I will. But you bring up a real like you mentioned Tayson Kane. You know it better than any of us here. But I never felt for a second that like either of those players were in each other's shadow. Like well, they they're just so different, perfect, right? They're so different, like perfect complements of 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 players. But for whatever reason, with Connor and Leon, we do not think of them in the same stretch of of Take, Connor and Leon. It's like yeah. Connor, and then oh yeah, Leon is like maybe a t- maybe not a tier, but like he's behind him. Like he's one right. A. Now, Taze, I don't. Taze, I, how often do you think one A? Like who? Who would be one A between Taze and Kane? After there, there wasn't. That's the thing of it. This is, there wasn't. Kane was the star, but Taves was the face, and it worked that way. Like Kane was showy. Taves was you know intangible and two way play and leadership and all the stuff that everyone rolls their eyes at. Like they were. And Gretzky and Messier were kind of similar in that way, where Gretzky was the star, but Messier was still the heart and soul of those Oilers teams too. With Dreisaitl and McDavid, it's not as differentiated, right? Because McDavid isn't, like, a huge personality, and neither is Dreisaitl. Whereas Taves and Kane and Gretzky and Messi, they kind of had these delineated personality types. Mm-hmm. Where I don't think most people know, and again, this this does probably play into the Edmonton of it all, is most people don't know what Leon Dreisaitl sounds like, looks like, acts like. He doesn't, it, it's not in front of most hockey fans' face the way Taves and Kane were on NBC Sports every single Wednesday for six years. How many American fans know about Leon Dreisaitl's get pissy comment to Jim yeah. Matheson last year? Yep. That might be the only audio. Like, if you think about memorable sound bites with Leon Dreisaitl, like, that's it. There isn't a second one. That's true. Right? So it's it's a, it's a, go- a good point that Laz brings up that he, he, you know, he doesn't have this sort of, neither of them have this sort of big, large, bold, uh, personality. Let, okay, let me ask you guys this question. Jay Woodcroft is going to have a legitimate question on his hands. Mm-hmm. Put yourself in Jay Woodcroft's shoes, head coach of the Edmonton Oilers. Who do you tap as your starting goalie for game five? Is it Jack Campbell who came in relief and you were down and you came back and you uh, you won the game in overtime? Or is it Stuart Skinner who started every game so far in this year? If you guys, Jay Woodcroft, Laz, I'll start with you. Who do you start in game five? Oh, man, it's hard. Do you dance with the one who brung you or do you go ride the hot hand, right? I mean, I guess the question is, do we think that Jack Campbell has a hot hand right now? Was he so good last night that we can qualify him as having a hot hand? Or do you go back to the – I think I go back to Skinner. He's the guy who got you there. He was the one down the stretch that was so important. But you have a quicker hook now. 
because you know you got a guy back there that can play. You you give your starter a second chance to prove that that was just one off period that he had, basically. Um, but you're at the ready if you don't think like the way he looks, because I don't think Skinner's a better goalie than Jack Campbell this year. There's no question about it. So I think right now you go back to Skinner, you give him a chance to keep the net, but you got a quick hook ready to go. I'm still surprised they pulled Stuart Skinner because I don't necessarily feel as if all of those goals he allowed in that first period were his fault. Yeah. And I, I, I felt this way about this roster and even last year too. If there is a team that can just flip that switch and make a comeback from a 3 nothing deficit, it's the Edmonton Oilers. And it almost doesn't really matter to me who is the goaltender behind them. So I, I, I don't have a problem with going to Stuart Skinner, but I can also understand the advantage, or maybe not advantage, but I understand the reasoning with starting Jack Campbell because he did. Do what he need. He did what he needs to do uh, in limited time. Uh, he did get the win at the end of the day for, for the Edmonton Oilers in that game four. Um, I might end up going with Stuart Skinner because he has been the overall better goalie. And, and Jack Campbell, when he has looked bad, he's looked bad. And I don't think you want to risk that going into the postseason. But I don't know. I think if you're Jay Woodcroft and you opt to go for a Jack Campbell and you're trying to go for the quote unquote hot hand, I guess I can understand the reasoning. But at the end of the day, this Edmonton Oilers team, I still think is so good that. Jack Campbell could easily be, could start game five and allow two, three quick goals to start. And you're thinking, okay, so Leon, Connor, Nuge, everybody else, like, what are you doing to get back? Evander Kane, like, what are you doing to get back in that game? Because they can do that. And they they prove that in game four. A lot of times you have a coach will pull the goalie after a three, nothing kind of deficit more as a message to his team than to the goalie yeah. himself. It's like, I can't bench all of you. So look, I have to bench this guy. Get your shit together. Right. You see that a lot. hundred percent. Do you guys subscribe to the theory too? That three nothing legit is the most dangerous lead in hockey. Because I think it is. It is. It depends on who you're playing against. It depends on who you're playing I, against. But to your point, like the Jets found a way to tie it. Uh, the Oilers did their thing. It really depends on who you're playing. Against. I, I always heard that as a kid growing up watching Islanders games. It was Eddie Westfall. Every, he was the the color announcer for the Islanders with Jigs McDonald. Yeah. And every single time there was a three goal lead, you go ah most dangerous lead in hockey. And you know you break it down and it makes sense because. A two-goal a two lead, you're not laying off the gas pedal yet. But a three-goal lead, you're like, all right, we can kind of just sit back and protect this now. And that's when you get yourself into trouble, right? When you start feeling a little comfortable. So, you know, four-goal lead, you're probably not losing that. A two-goal lead, you're not sitting back. That three-goal lead, that's a mental block there where it's like, kind of have this in the bag if we just play the rest of this game like a big penalty kill. Looking for an assist with your credit card but can't get a hold of anyone? Luckily, with 24-7 U.S.-based live customer service from Discover, everyone has the option to talk to a real person anytime, day or night. Yep, you heard that right. You can talk to a real human in customer service anytime. Sounds like a real game changer if you ask us. Make the right call and get the service you deserve with Discover. Limitations apply. See terms at discover.com slash credit card. Building a portfolio with Fidelity Basket Portfolios is kind of like making a sandwich. It's as simple as picking your stocks and ETFs, sort of like your meats and other topics, and managing it as one big, juicy investment. Mmm, now that's pretty good. Learn more at Fidelity.com slash baskets. Investing involves risk, including risk of loss. Fidelity Brokerage Services, LLC. Member NYSC SIPC. You know, as you mentioned, uh, you know, the old uh, Eddie Westfall, Jigs McDonald uh, broadcast of the Islanders back in the day. Uh, this must be a real thrill for you on the weekend to be able to go back 
cover a couple of Islanders games in the new uh, arena in the Stanley Cup playoffs. And look, as we talk about LA and Edmonton, that's such a great, compelling series. I think Minnesota-Dallas has been great. Talk about Tampa-Toronto. From the outside, it feels like Carolina and the Islanders has been dull and a little bit boring. You've been there for a couple of the games. Walk us through it. Like, has, has that lived up to the reputation of being dull and boring? Or how's that well, series played out well, for you? You think of the beautiful and exciting and fun way that teams like Edmonton and Toronto play. And then you watch the New York Islanders and the Carolina Hurricanes, where the Islanders are just trying to hit you into oblivion. And the Hurricanes are so structured, you know, and they've, they've lost three or four of their top forwards. And so they have to even play that structure more because they know they can't score in bunches. So they have to play even more defensive than usual. Yeah, it's ugly hockey. It is not the same. But I will say that for game three in particular, the game that the Islanders uh, won, uh, that the new barn sounded a lot like the old barn. It sounded a lot like Nassau Coliseum. There's like, you know, Long Islanders are louder by nature just in general. You can hear me talking right now and I'm louder than most people. And so when you put like 18,000 of them into place and they're screaming in that thick accent of theirs, it's a beautiful thing to behold. So it, it was a fun atmosphere in game three. I will not say it's good hockey. I will not say it probably translates to television very well. But when you're in the building, like that's what you want, right? You want the atmosphere. The atmosphere in the playoffs is more important than the style of play, I feel like. So as long as the games are close and the crowds are hot, I don't care what style of play you're playing. It can be a lot of fun. Like I said, that Rangers uh, um, uh, Devils game three, which the Devils won in overtime, that came, you know, uh, they, they tied it and it went to overtime. It didn't have the feel of a playoff game to me. I've covered some tense overtime playoff games. And part of it is, and I don't want to get myself in trouble here, but like the New York crowd is a lot like the Toronto crowd is a lot like the Chicago crowd where it's so expensive to get in the building that it's kind of got a corporate feel to it. And it's not mm -hmm. as, you know, blue collar as going to Newark or something like that, or going to, you know, Detroit where the crowds are a little more, you know, lively. Um, so that might be something to do with it. It wasn't a bad crowd, but it's just, it doesn't have that vibe. And the vibe is everything in the playoffs. It's so much more important than anything else is close games and vibes, right? That's what you're looking for. And yeah. uh, I need more of that out here because I'm I'm going to my fifth game in five nights tonight and I need it. I'm, I'm jonesing for it. That's crazy. I, I, I want to say, though, uh, at least from watching on TV, uh, we got to shout out the Carolina crowd, too, because they look really amped up through these first two games oh, yeah. in the series. Like, I, I don't know. I, I see a lot of people say that the Carolina crowd – is among the loudest in the league, and I would like to see for myself. But at least watching playoff games on TV, uh, when 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 they score a goal and you hear like P. Pablo's uh, raise up as the goal song, like they they seem pretty into it. They seem pretty amped. And I it's think a great. Uh, people always want to on a on a crap on that fan base. It's a great fan base. They are so into it. Look, are they as big a fan base as New York or Toronto or Chicago? Of course no not. way. Of course not. But the ones that show up, they show up, and they are fantastic. Do you guys feel, though, that like we're all sleeping on the Hurricanes, even though they won their division, they're up 3-1, but like you know, they're, they're, they're quite banged up, right? Yeah. They're, they're missing some key guys. They've even suffered through injuries here in the playoffs. The goaltending seems suspect at best, and yet it looks like they're going to punch their ticket into round two. Like, why aren't we taking them or like – is it because they didn't add that big splashy name at the deadline like everybody else did in the East? Is it the goaltending? Is it because they have the reputation that they're very, they play a kind of a dull, boring, like they're like a better Seattle, right? Like, isn't that how we think of Carolina? They're just like an efficient, good team. Not as good as Boston, not as bad as Seattle. But I, I don't know. I feel like I need to be taking them seriously and I'm not. 
I think there's like an Edmonton thing to them too, where they're kind of out of sight, out of mind, right? They're not a prominent franchise. They're not on national TV all the time. They don't get the uh, the, the airtime that some of these other big city teams get. Um, I think the Svechnikov injury, like everyone wrote him off after that, right? They were already out with Pat Pacioretty out for the season. Then you lose Svechnikov for the season. Now Tavo Teravainen's out for this for the rest of the postseason, probably with a broken hand. Like that's half their top six. Like at some point, this wasn't a team that scored a lot of goals to begin with. And so they are so good and they're built so smart and they're so deep and they're so fast that they can still compete with anybody in the league. But can they score enough goals and can they get enough goaltending from Auntie Ranta or uh, or Freddie Anderson or uh, Piotr, and I forget how to pronounce his last name. Kachetkov. Thank you. Um, or you could have said, you could have said, uh, uh, and I don't like saying it, but you could have said the coochie man. I would not have said that. Absolutely not. But <laughs> can they get enough gold? They're going to have to win these games two to one, three to two. Like, like, can they do that for four rounds? Like, they're such a well-built organization and team, but they just don't have anybody who can finish. And at some point, somebody's got to score some goals. Yeah, they're not sexy. They don't have a sexy playing style. Like, even Edmonton, you know, they might be out of sight, out of mind for a lot of people. But as we were talking about before, they could come back from a 3-0 deficit. They have two of the best players in the world. Carolina, in terms of names and faces, like Sebastian Ajo is not a household name. Talented player, not a household name. You mentioned deadline acquisitions. I, I think the the the, uh, the Hurricanes were probably hoping that uh, Max Pacioretty returning from injury because he got injured again, and he was he was had a layoff before he joined the team. And I think they were trying to use him as some sort of quote unquote deadline acquisition before he got hurt as well, right? Like. Yeah, it, it's a lot of unfortunate stuff with them. But like in terms of the names there, like they're not names that jump off the page and the goaltending. You're absolutely right, too. Like anti Ranta, good for him that he's getting starts in net and, and getting those those looks. But like, I think if you if other teams would probably look at a guy like anti Ranta and think, really, like this is the guy you're going to bring to the dance. Like he like even Edmonton with Stuart Skinner, like he's at least like. A really good, a really good goalie. He could be in consideration for the Calder Trophy at the end of the year. To be fair, Antti Ranta, I think he is the ninth highest save percentage in NHL history. That's pretty like, good like, for for like guys with like two hundred and fifty appearances, something like that. I looked it up the other day. He his numbers are always great. He's a fun, he, but he's always been a backup, right? He's never been the yeah. guy until last postseason when he got in there and he won a round, and you know then kind of turned into a pumpkin a little bit in the second round. It's tough. I, I, will, I will say this: I, I, another guy. If we're talking about guys that we don't give enough credit to. Brent Burns, yeah. Look, I had him number two on my Norris ballot this year. He has been an absolute beast, and I know there's the Jacob Slavin factor where he gets to play with Jacob Slavin, which makes anyone look better. But he has been so such a great fit in Carolina. That system is beautiful for him, and he's completely rejuvenated. It's funny that him and Eric Carlson both had these kind of like rejuvenating uh, seasons this year. Uh, I, I I feel like nobody talks about Brent Burns this year, and he has been. Freaking fantastic. Do you think Burns and Carlson had to get away from each other? Like, um, <laughs> like, look, no, no, I mean that. Look, they, they both had renaissance seasons. And when they were together, when they got put together, we thought, holy smokes, what a Burns and Carlson, uh, you know, same power play, but same team. And they're going to eat up 40 minutes a night. And it didn't quite work out the way they envisioned. And now they're in separate places and they both seem to be thriving. Maybe. I, I, maybe that's just how it is. Sometimes you can't have two of the same type of player just playing alongside each other. For for Brent Burns, like to see him do so well in Carolina, yeah, he is kind of getting slept on. And I think for a lot of people who especially were looking at their Norris Trophy votes, I think if you're going to make arguments for, for guys like Campus Lindholm, who have the great defensive rating that they have, playing on arguably the best defensive team, not arguably the best defensive team in the league, 
you got to put Brent Burns on your on your ballot too because he's also one of the best defensive teams in the league, and his defensive rating is also good, and he has the offense to match as well. Like I, I, I mean, I'm sure once once we see everyone's ballots, holy crap, all three of us, uh, all uh, all of us voted as a as a first time voter. This is a uh, pretty special. <laughs> I spent so much time on that Norris. Oh my god. Oh Norris, my god. Norris I lost is always my mind. difficult, but I just. I was like texting Peter Ball back and forth. We're like making arguments against each other, trying to talk ourselves out of things. And I just, it was just, it was so hard this year. Like there's six, seven guys that could not just be on the ballot, but could win the damn thing. Dude. I remember like like a couple days before the deadline, like Eric Carlson and the Sharks were in Calgary and we were having a whole, we're having a whole scrum with, with Eric Carlson and David Quinn after and asking them their thoughts on, on everything. And, I have to admit, like in terms of my thought process, just seeing Eric Carlson play and getting to hear him talk about about being up for for the Norris, I I was very much like that. That played a part in my process. I, I I'm not going to say if I was sweet or not, but that really had me going. I mean, Roman Yossi last year was challenging to evaluate his season because he put up so many points, but Carlson this year was even more difficult because his defensive numbers are so bad, yes. but his team is so bad. Yes, and his offensive numbers were so good. Is <laughs> Like I, I did not. I, I had him three on my ballot. I don't want to get too much into the details. Wow. But I, Adam Fox is the best overall defenseman in the league. The numbers say it. The eye test say it. I, I, I can't argue against Adam Fox. It's the definition of the award, all around defensive. Right. But at the same time, the problem is, is that up, up until now, and I, and like David Quinn agrees, and I think other people should start drumming this up because of the quality of offensive defensemen we have today. We are going to need an award that rewards yeah. those type of players. Yeah, it's we called the Norris Trophy. What we need is a defensive one. No, 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 no. <laughs> because Roman Yossi had a year we had the most. Eric Carlson's going to win the Norris this year. He's going to win it handily. Do we? Do we know that for sure? He's going to win it handily. We all know how this voting goes. He's going to win it handily. Ian, did you vote for Eric Carlson to win? I, this is this has turned into a Norris Trophy. Yeah, I, I did, <laughs> but but I did it after like. Probably, uh, I felt like two or three sleepless nights yeah. <laughs> and conversations with dozens of people around the it's game hard. and players. And it's hard. Uh, just trying to find out, like, wh- wh- who. But I, I'm with you. I think you, if you come up with a Paul Coffey, Bobby Orr, whatever, whoever you want to name the offensive player uh, defenseman award after, I'm okay with that. If you have a, a, an award for the best defensive forward, then theoretically, shouldn't you have an award for the best offensive defenseman? Like using but, that but logic, then, but then you really got to like press upon voters as a block that you are now the Norris is now an, and Jacob Slavin becomes a viable candidate for the Norris every year. Like you have to make yep. it, you have to completely alter the way the Norris Trophy is presented. Then would Bobby Orr have won the Norris if there all those years if there was an right. award for best offensive defenseman? Like I don't know, I never saw Bobby Orr play, but he sure looked like a forward to me. <laughs> And that's Carlson, right? Like that. Right. Anyway, it's a. Sorry, it's a, it's, I, keep, I keep sending us off on. Sorry, I, no, no, I, I, that too. We're jumping on a lot of different tangents. Like, sorry about that. It's oh, been too oh, long listen. since I've spoken to you guys. That's all. Yeah, we well, listen. You. Let's let's get back to uh, uh, the playoff chat. You know, last week, Laz, uh, Julian, and I discussed. It was going into Game One of the playoffs, and we looked at all the series, and we tried to pick what series we thought would go to seven games. Which is the series that you were most confident? Yeah, I think that one is going to seven. I said Vegas and Winnipeg. Uh, Julian, what did you end up picking? I think I said Minnesota-Dallas. Yeah, Minnesota-Dallas, which is looking really good. 
Uh, Laz, and, and we, we can refresh this year because obviously things have changed in the course of a week. Laz, you had to pick one series that you're like, yeah, I'm pretty sure that's going to seven. Dallas, Minnesota would have been my pick going in, certainly. And yeah. it's, it's playing out that way. But I also would have thought that about Devils Rangers. That seemed destined for seven. And Not just, two. The Rangers, yeah. I, I hate to say it because I had the, I picked the Devils to go to the Stanley Cup final this year. But they don't have it yet. Like, they're not there. Like, they pulled out game three, but the Rangers look like a vastly superior team so far. They look – in that playoff run they went on last year, like, I hate almost every hockey cliche, and I roll my eyes on them all the time. But the one I do believe in is experience counts in the playoffs. And what the Rangers went through last year and what the Devils didn't, I think, is playing a significant – I mean, if you saw the first ten minutes of game one of Rangers-Devils, the Devils looked like they were peeing their pants out there. I mean, it was it was so bad. So they're, they're, they're starting to calm down now, but the Rangers just look so deep and so composed, and they've got the best goalie in the world, arguably, and they've got you know five, six superstars up front. Chris Kreider has scored five goals in three games. Yeah. So that would have been the one I think I would have picked at the beginning, but I don't believe it anymore. So yeah, I think Dallas-Minnesota seems the most evenly matched series. Yeah, I mean, both those two teams going into it, I tried to make the point last week, just in terms of the the different quality players that they have the the goaltending the storylines I didn't you know, it's funny I kind of thought like okay like who's gonna start between Philip and 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 Mark Andre Fleury that ended up being a storyline in game two uh, but yeah. I just thought with just so many similarities between both teams uh, even the goals against uh, in the regular season for both teams is pretty close uh, so I, I figured that was just going to be a seven game series and I'm feeling pretty good about that now got to give a shout out to to Jason Robertson and and, and Sad Yusuf who's been writing about him a lot the fact that it's kind of funny to me that like we're looking at it, look at a guy like Jason Robertson, and he's been quiet, but he's got four points in four games. It's just a perspective thing because like yeah. other people would be like, we should be taking over, but like you know, you know, it's a perspective thing. Let's not sleep on yeah. Leafs bolts for seven games. So I, I, we're 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 about a half hour into this podcast, and we haven't talked about the Leafs yet. Is that legal in hockey podcast world? I know, I know. Are we breaking some kind of rule here? Considering some of the other podcasts that I do, like <laughs> this is actually kind of refreshing. <laughs> It's actually kind of refreshing to not spend 20 minutes on the Leafs. What's a better story? Just objectively take all, yeah. you know, everything out of it. Just what's better story? Is it the Leafs finally going on a run or is the Leafs losing in the first round again? Because I think it's the Leafs losing in the first round again. It's objectively hilarious if it happens again. Man, Object- I, here's the thing. Like, it'll be here's so fun thing. if the Leafs go on a run. I remember what that Raptors run was like in Toronto. Toronto fans are awesome. They deserve this. But it would be so funny if they lost again. See, that's the thing. Because that twenty, because that Raptors run came after years and years mm-hmm. of not getting it done in the playoffs. LeBron coming in and, and LeBron toe happening and basically being the barrier that kept the Raptors from seeing any kind of success. Uh, or also, if it wasn't LeBron, it was the Raptors themselves. For the Leafs, in order for this to be a really good story, they would have to go on a run. And like they win in the first round. But then they play Boston in the second round, and if Boston disposes of them like 10 years after all of this misery began, is that a success? Is that enough for Kyle Dubas to keep his job? There's all those whispers going around that he could go go to Pittsburgh. Yeah, does he want to keep his job? <laughs> does he question. want that? Does he want to stay there? And then all the anxiety turns to, oh, is Austin Matthews going to stay? I'm not con- – to your point, like, it's, like if they win a round, like – they get a little bit of joy, but yeah, that, is that only enough? lasts for so long. If they lose in the first round, that is like DEFCON 5. And like, but you wonder like how the Leafs will respond to that. Like, Do they just say, okay, screw it. Like, This has not worked. We're cleaning house. Austin Matthews again. After all of that, what does he do? There's, there's like, It's like a doomsday path 
that if the Leafs embark on that, like all their fans are going to be super anxious and everyone else is just going to be watching super intense. Objectively speaking, it would be so fascinating if they lose in the first round. Again. Absolutely. Like how Absolutely. it would play. Because the, the team is so good. It's such a good team. But this, and but here's they'd the thing, have though. to blow it up, though, wouldn't they? You can't run it yeah, back yet again. Because, like, here's the thing. Like, last year, they ran up against a really good team. That ended up going to the final. And it was really close, down to a game seven. This year, that same Lightning team, uh, look, I think through three games, I think we can all admit it. It is not the same Lightning team. They are too banged up. They're too tired. Uh, I think they lost a bit of blood with some of the guys like Ryan McDonough leaving. Uh, like it, it's not the same team. If this Leafs team loses it to this Lightning team this year, that is bad. I don't think you can come up with the same positives that you had last season when they lost in seven games. Like it's 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 bad. And and this is a this is a Leafs team with a lot of those players who lost to Columbus in the qualifying round, lost to the Montreal Canadiens in that bubble season. Those are two teams they should have beaten going away. All those other ones years ago, the early Boston years. The Washington year, you could always say like, okay, maybe that team just was not ready to do it. These last few years, this core should have at least like two, three series wins. Like this should be the year everyone's like, okay, it's Stanley Cup or bust. The fact that we have to look at them and be like, oh, like there, there are people in Toronto who are like, it's a success if they win round one. <laughs> it's, a, it's a success if Austin Matthews thinks it's a success. Because if Austin Matthews doesn't think it's a success, forget it. But, but I think, look, they haven't won a playoff series in 19 years. So yeah, I That's think winning insane. a round is a success in on on some level, but they've had a 2-1 series lead in in virtually every series they've played in in the Matthews era and lost every like every Columbus. And they should have lost game 3 by the way. They were and they, they should have lost game 3. If not Absolutely. for Ryan O'Reilly who was dynamite to tie it, dynamite to Amazing. win the faceoff to anyway. But you know what I think is interesting too? And I was thinking about this in this entire Matthews Marner era. And I think I got this right. I should have looked this up, but I think I got it right. The Leafs have obviously lost in the first round every time. None of the teams that have beaten Toronto have gone on to ever win the Stanley Cup. So it's not like they can sit back and say, ah, damn, we lost to the Cup champ, right? Because in 2017, they lost to Washington. Washington uh, lost to Pittsburgh. 2018 and 19, they lost to Boston. The Bruins got to the Cup in 2019, but they lost to St. Louis. 2020 was Columbus uh, and the debacle in the bubble. 21 was Montreal. They got to the Cup, but they lost. And last year was Tampa. Again, they get to the Cup and lost. It's not like Toronto can say, boy, we lost to the eventual Stanley Cup champion at any point. And wait, I isn't it still something that three of the last four teams they've lost to in the first round have made the final? Isn't that still something? If that's what you're reaching for, then you're a pathetic excuse for a franchise. I mean, that can't be what you hang your hat on. Not that me though. Be. I'm just. I'm just. If you're saying, building a team that, that with that many, you have to have higher standards than that. And I think. Yeah. Absolutely. Absolutely. And especially for a team like the Leafs, where a lot of people like to prop up the fact that their sports science is good, all these other other all these other extracurricular stuff with the team is good, and the market is what it is. Well, there are a lot of people who like to prop up the organization for what it is and how progressive it is and the standards that they are able to uphold. But the fact that they don't have anything to show for it in terms of playoff success, and the fact that they do not get the benefit of the doubt from a lot of people who watch games. That means something too. Yeah. Well, I'll tell you, they, they've got a, uh, their fan base, even if they win game four and they go up three, one, there will not be a single arrogant, cocky, overconfident <laughs> Toronto Maple Leafs fan. You, you, like you won't see it until the final buzzer sounds of a potential clinching game. They could be up four, nothing in the third period of a clinching game 
with five minutes left and people be like, I ain't, this ain't done. Like I, Ian so, Mendes is but, half joking when he says that. He's half I'm right not, and he's half I'm, wrong. But can you I'm imagine not. how insufferable that'd be if they do win the cup at some point? Oh my God. <laughs> we live in Canada. We know what's going to happen. No disrespect to Leafs fans, but we know what's going to happen. If they, if they win that round, you might as well end the playoffs right there. That's going to be an entire celebration in itself. <laughs> but it's the truth. It's the it, truth. It's, hang it's about dead ass the truth. the first round. They like, did, the the meme, also the memes are going to be out of control. Oh we're going to get yeah. a bu- we're going to get a bunch of those one a first round banner memes. Oh, we're going to get a bunch of those. But don't you think just to wrap up the thought on the Leafs, if they yeah. somehow beat Tampa and Boston advances past Florida, would you guys agree with me on this? That Toronto would go into that series against Boston as the overwhelming underdog and ironically, strangely, not have a ton of external pressure on them. Or am I wrong in that? I think I think once if if and when they get past the first round, that's going to relieve so much of the pressure in that balloon that is Toronto. And then yes, you put it to the fact that they're going up against the you know the best regular season team arguably in history. Uh, there won't be a lot of pressure on it, but that changes real quick if they get swept, if they get just run out of the rink by the Bruins. We're going to have the same you know rending of garments and gnashing of teeth and stuff uh, that we would have they lost in the first round. They have to be competitive in that second round. For you even to look at this and go, all right, at least they finally made some progress. I want to say, though, like, there's a thought that just came to mind where, like, if you're the Leafs and you've endured all of that pain over the last how many years and you finally win a round and you go up and you play against Boston, I get, like, there's a structure and playoff style you have to play. But is there not a liberating, freeing feeling that you would start to feel? It's kind of like, well, no one's picking us to win this series to begin with. And we already won a round. Playing the effort style that yeah. you know, some people think that they're playing in that first round. They did lean all the way into that. Like hell yeah! Like I could easily no see one the Leafs beating the Bruins. This is the, this is the Stanley Cup. The Bruins aren't going to win the Cup this year. That's not how hockey works, right? Somebody's yeah. going to probably beat them. They might not even make the final, as as Ian and I are 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 saying. Yeah, they a might free, not a free final. and easy Leafs team would be terrifying. Yeah, terrifying. Yeah, yeah. Seriously, that's what I'm saying. Anyway, but they got a long way to go. Obviously, uh, up to one. Yeah, they'll still probably lose. Yeah. <laughs> exactly. <laughs> the other series I want to I want to hit on real quick cuz you guys have talked about this, but Minnesota Dallas has been delicious from uh you know, Peter DeBoer and uh, Dean Evison on the podiums to the goaltending stuff to the 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 Dumba hit to the Felino hits and like all this series has been I think even though those aren't the two marquee franchises, I think if you strip everything away, you just said, what's been the best, most energetic playoff series? I think it's Dallas, Minnesota. And right now, I love the fact that I have no clue who's going to win this series. And I love that. And and do you guys feel, though, that like like Phil Gustafson has been really good? Mm-hmm. but Jay, And Jake Ottinger's just been okay? Jake Ottinger's going to steal a game, isn't he, at some point for Dallas? Yeah, out of I see three? that happening. I see yeah. that happening. I, this is a guy who made his name in the first round of the playoffs last year, stealing opportunities and games for, for the Dallas Stars and making it the seven-game series that it was against Calgary. I totally see. Uh, in fact, he's kind of due, right? Like, we focus so much on the Minnesota goaltending, and Jake Ottinger, I don't feel as if has gotten that same level of shine. I think he's due uh, at some point in this series to steal a game himself. This is going seven, and if this doesn't go seven, I'll be disappointed. Dallas was my pick to win the Cup just because – I didn't believe a team from the East could come out of that meat grinder and then win another series. Like I thought Dallas's path to the final was clearest. 
They've got everything you need. They've got the great goalie. They've got a Norris caliber defenseman in Miro Heiskanen. They've got uh, all the stars up front with uh, with Robertson leading the way and Rupe Hints and you know Pavelski if he gets healthy. Uh, there's so much skill and talent on that team, and their path is pretty clear. But we don't talk enough about the Minnesota Wild and the pressure they're facing. That is a hockey rabid, basically Canadian fan base, yeah. right? And they've never won a cup since they've been back. They've never won a conference final game since they've been back. They, they made it to the conference final once and got swept like 20 years ago. They haven't won a second round game in, I think, nine or 10 years now. Like they are, you know, they are perennially pretty good. They're never bad. They've never been great. And this is the best team they've probably ever had. When you look at the star power they have now with Kaprizov and, and, and who they have leading the way, uh, there's a lot of pressure on that franchise, I think, to finally get over the hump and make a run themselves. Like this is a really interesting, you know, compelling series between two teams that are trying to, you know, make some kind of headway here. Uh, one other thing that needs to be mentioned too. Uh, I mean, we live in the salary cap world as we do. Uh, those buyouts on uh, uh, Ryan Suter and Zach Parise still not getting any easier for nope. next year. I think they yeah. jump up from 6.3 to 7.3 uh, on the cap next year. Like That is not going to be fun. It's pretty and miraculous I, that they're as competitive as they are with all that dead weight. Seriously. Yeah, we thought that they were going to be cooked this year, didn't we? Yep. Didn't we think we did. they were done this year? And Absolutely. Credit to Bill Guerin for keeping the window open. But you're right, Laz. It's such a great hockey market, and they've never gotten to the cup final in, you know, in, in Is, in is there a Canadian equivalent to that where, like, Minnesota fans just love the team so much that they kind of – they get mad, and then they just move on, and they forgive them, and they're just like, let's do it again next year. Is, that, is, is there a is, – is, is, you know, because I feel like Vancouver and Toronto and Calgary, these markets aren't as forgiving. Edmonton, maybe Winnipeg, Winnipeg? maybe? Mm. Yeah, maybe. Is, is Winnipeg just happy to be there, kind of, after losing the I team? Don't... Is there still some of that? When does I that mean, wear I, off? I mean, the the, the – the the Jets organization put out a, a a notice to season ticket holders, basically like yeah. people are thinking it's like a basic threat for them oh, yeah, to start yeah. renewing those tickets. Uh, Calgary's I think is a little bit more jaded in terms of a fan base because they've endured the lack of playoff success over the last few years. So I don't feel as if uh, they're happy. I don't know if they would be right to say they're happy to be there because some people would say they haven't been there enough. Uh, Toronto, I don't know if it's what's the phrase I want to use. They're, they're they're just stuck with their team. <laughs> yeah, it's just kind of like, all right, let's just do this again. Uh, Vancouver I'm ready to seems, be hurt again. Vancouver, I guess, feels like the same thing, I guess. I feel like Vancouver like, has like a love and hate relationship with their team. Like where they just like they yeah, worship, they, they love it so much. And when it's good, it's go good. But they just hate it at the same time. Yeah, I think it's one of those things where it's just like, even if like Elias Patterson and Quinn Hughes do so well, it's like those di- those Aquilinis, like I, yeah. I can't stand them. Min- Minnesota's really unique in that way, where it's just like, they seem to have an endless leash because this fan base is so devoted and passionate, and admirably so. That they, and it's that Minnesota nice where they don't really kind of – they're never going to march on the XL Energy Center with pitchforks and torches, you know? Could you imagine, like, someone throwing a jersey on that? I can't think about that. Like, in almost every other Canadian market, I can imagine a scenario yep. where someone gets fed up and throws a jersey. I, I Like, if that happened in Minnesota, like, how would we all react? It would be pretty shocking, I think. I, th- I could see it in Buffalo. Buffalo, absolutely. I could see it in Philly. I could see it in a handful of places. I, yeah, you're right. They're they're very friendly. Uh, well, it's in, tough too because they, 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 they've Minnesota. never been embarrassing. They've never been awful. Not in recent years. No, nope. like, they're nope. always pretty good. They just never get anything more than that. Yeah. yeah. Hey, uh, b- before we wrap up uh, with a couple of uh, we got a, a Consmite of the of the week award and a multiple choice question. 
Uh, real quick, a thought on, are you guys surprised that the Kraken are pushing the Avs like this? They won game yes. one. Uh, game two was a one-goal game. Game three, uh, the Avs were able to, to, to pull that out by two goals. First game ever, first Seattle playoff game ever, which is pretty cool to, to see that atmosphere. Um, I'm surprised that it's been this close. Uh, you guys surprised? Yeah, I am. Uh, I thought that even if uh, Colorado was as banged up as they would, I didn't think this series would be as tough for them as it's been. No, by no stretch of the imagination did I think the Kraken would put themselves in the situation that they're in. Absolutely not. I don't know, but I think it's really great on the, on the part of the Kraken. This is a team that is, I don't know how many years ahead of schedule, but like this is a team that I thought was going to miss the playoffs, and they found themselves in a wild card spot, the first of two wild card spots. And the fact that they're able to push the Colorado Avalanche, they're banged up as they are. But it's still the reigning champion, Colorado Avalanche, who could still do so many things well. And they still have Nathan McKinnon. They still have Kale McCarr. Miko Ranton is also still available to them. Like, that's not a slouch team by any stretch of the imagination. So if Seattle even pushes this to Game 7, like, that is such a big deal for that franchise. I am genuinely shocked anytime the Seattle Kraken win a game with that goaltending they have. Like, it speaks mm -hmm. volumes of how good they are up front and how well built and deep they are that they can win with Philip Grubauer and Martin Jones as their goalies. Because it's the worst goaltending duo in the league, probably. And here they are, like you said, hanging with the Avs, making the playoffs, really good regular season team with like 880 save percentage as a team. It's unbelievable what they've been able to do. Imagine if they had a goalie. Imagine if they had a Jake Ottinger or an Igor Shesterkin or an Ilya Sorokin. They'd be a monster. So if they can go and add, you know, whatever happens in this postseason, if they can go find themselves a real goalie, I know that's difficult because they've committed to Grubauer. It, that's a... That's a scary team for a long time. They are so well constructed everywhere else. Yeah, they're they're just deep. They're just a deep team that that kind of rolls four lines. And uh, anyway, it's it's great to see the Kraken, uh, see that city embrace. Uh, it's cool. I love going to Stanley games. There. It's, it's it's a great fan. It's a great new fan base. They are so into it. The rink is so cool. It's it's great for the league to have them doing well. Yeah, no, it is. It is fantastic. All right, uh, during the regular season on the Monday uh, uh, edition of the Athletic Hockey Show, we used to do the jack adams of the week award where we would look back at the last seven days lads and say which coach did the best job in the past seven days we're going to flip it a little bit in the playoffs and see if we can correctly uh, get the con smite trophy winner so i'm going to throw out some candidates we'll bat this around the very first con smite trophy winner of the week in the stanley cup playoffs so i'm going to give you guys a, a handful of candidates here you tell me who should win the con smite trophy of the week for week one of the playoffs is it leon dreisaitl uh, leading all playoff scores with nine points and on the ice remarkably for all 13 Edmonton goals so far in the first four games against LA. Is it Chris Kreider uh, becomes the all-time uh, Stanley Cup playoff uh, goal leader for the Rangers has five goals through three games has just been a one-man wrecking crew for the Rangers against the Devils. Rupe Hintz has been really good. Eight points, four goals, both tied for second in the league. Uh, Rupe Hintz from Dallas. Mitch Marner also with eight points. And how about Igor Shesterkin, uh, reigning Vesna Trophy winner? Maybe a bit of a down year this year in the regular season, but boy, Laz, and you've watched him now in three straight games, 950 save percentage, buck 26 goals against average. Uh, looks every bit like the Shesterkin we saw last year. So guys, Laz, will let you do the honors first. Who should win the Consumite Trophy of the Week? Well, I'm going to basically uh, uh, undo all the good I did about Leon Dreisaitl by focusing on the New York guy, but it's Chris Kreider. I mean, it's been incredible to watch him, and I, I, I've been fortunate enough to be at the games. Uh, you know, he had four power play goals in the first two games, all of them on tips, which he's like one of the all-time greats at, at tipping in front of the net. And then on, in, in game three, he had a beautiful snipe shot off the rush 
Uh, he is, I mean, when it comes down to it, you need goals, right? It's not just about points. It's about goals. Who's scoring your goals? To score five goals in three playoff games uh, to start the series, I, I don't, you know, all credit to all those other guys you mentioned, including Chesterkin, but what Kreider's doing, yeah, that stands out to me. Okay, fine. So Leon Dreisaitl has five goals in four games. That's still impressive. Yeah, but me. five goals on Edmonton, it's like the it's like the Canadian exchange rate. There's so many goals that they score that it's kind of <laughs> they're kind of devalued a little bit, you know. Also, I think it's 14 goals that the Oilers have scored where Leon Dreisaitl has been on the ice for all of them. And I think that is an it's an it's a ridiculous impressive statistic. We've we've wondered for a little bit about hey, like uh, is Connor McDavid going to Wake up and get more points at five on five. I don't think at any point in this series we'd have we've had to look at Leon Dreisaitl and wonder if his play is up to snuff. And I think because of that, and because of the fact he's leading playoffs and scoring, he gets my vote. You know what? I get to play tiebreaker here, and I hate to do this to you, Laz, but I got to side with Julian here. I, I fourteen. Canadian imagine, bias. imagine your team scores fourteen Take goals to start the playoffs, and you're on the ice for all of them, and you Come have on. nine points, like. It's unbelievable hey, what he's you, doing. You don't have to sell me on Leon Dreisaitl. I got, I got no problem with it. I'll allow it. Okay, he'll allow it. So there you go. We're, we're going to give Leon Dreisaitl the first Consmite Trophy of the Week Award for the Monday edition of the Athletic Hockey Show. And then we're going to wrap up, like we always do, with a multiple-choice badness question for you guys. Um, we had some really heated battles and fights, and maybe a couple of them were unexpected. In Week 1 of the Stanley Cup playoffs, here's my question to wrap up the Monday pod. What was the most unexpected fight or battle from week one of the Stanley Cup playoffs? Was it oh, A? Easy. I don't need the multiple choice. This is too easy. Linus Allmark <laughs> against Matthew Kachuk. B, Peter DeBoer against Dean Evison at the podium. Those guys were kind of having a dueling, dueling wars. Is it C, Kyle Dupas v. the random fan in the stands? Is it D, Steven Stamkos and Austin Matthews dropping the gloves and fighting? Or is it E, something else? Look, I, I can we can tell Laz has an answer. So let, let's let Julian go first and see if he's got the same answer as Laz. Julian, what was the most unexpected fight battle from week one of the Stanley Cup playoffs for you? I wanted to come up with something really funny for the E option. I can't think of it right now. So I'm just going to go with Stamkos and Matthews. It's the first time we've ever seen 260 goal scorers uh, go at it in any type of fight. And considering how testy that Lightning Leaf series is starting to get, wouldn't it be funny if that happened again? Like if Austin Matthews or, or Stamkos got in another fight, like that would be kind of entertaining and, and funny to see. Uh, yeah, I, like the Kyle Dubas thing, I just want to mention, like I'm sure you guys have all seen uh, him at his box in, in Scotiabank Arena, like to see him get out with those fans. Like that's 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 just insane to see. It, like Some people like go back to Canada and all that. Like, like, come on, guys. Like this is it's a bit ridiculous, but I'm not as surprised. Like I think when you're doing all that yelling from your – from your booth, like someone is inevitably going to get under your skin. So I'm not surprised. I'm I'm surprised this, this didn't happen sooner for Kyle Dupas. But uh, Matthews and uh, Stamkos going at each other. That's my pick. Okay, so Laz, is that is that it? It's Matthews Stamkos. It's not just because they fought. It's the ferocity with which they fought. That mm-hmm. was insane. They were throwing haymakers at rapid fire. This wasn't like two stars kind of dancing around. They were trying to beat the crap out of each other. And you just don't see that from superstars. Uh, and really, in, in any era, even during like the peak fighting era, you wouldn't see that kind of fight with that kind of ferocity behind it. Like that was like I'm not a big fight guy, but I got excited. I was in the Rangers press box at the Garden when that went down, and I'm like, "Oh my god, look at this!" I'm like showing everybody on press row what happened. I mean, that was that was that was intense, man. 
Is that the I, best superstar fight since uh Cavalier and Drew McGinley? Yeah. Oh, good call. I, I think so. Like I like I can't that think was of another fight involving players of this Ooh. caliber. Jonathan right? Taves and Joe Thornton had a few over. Oh yeah, yeah. In, they, in the playoffs, right? Sounds Jonathan like, Taves hates Joe Thornton. I don't know why he hates Joe Thornton. And they had a few over the years, but those aren't sixty goal scorers either. Like no, Stamkos, I, Matthews. That's as big as it gets. Yeah, I love I love that stat. First time ever the two sixty goal scorers fought each other in a game. Uh, but I, I'll tell you what, though. Like for me, I was shocked. I Kyle Dubas comes across as one of the most measured, calm. Guys, uh, why I was surprised at this was, A, it, I've never seen him unhinged like that. But B, then upon further review, it turns out he was fighting with a Leafs fan. Like, that's <laughs> really? The, that, yes, that's the funniest part is it, it appears no to be way. an angry. It was apparently an angry Leafs fan. No who way. Was, was yelling at Kyle Lewis. That, no. That's the plot twist. Nobody saw. Well, that's you be your own people. <laughs> Florida, Florida's like half Ontario people in for most yeah. of this, most of the year. That's true. Yeah, but I'll tell you, if I'm Kyle Dubas, you got to be careful who you're arguing with in Florida. They're all armed, every single one of them. It's it's it's, it's Florida. I'm gonna go bring my gator. I got bath salts. <laughs> I got something else tucked in. Like it's Florida. Be careful. That guy watches Tucker Carlson. I guarantee you. It's all I'm saying. <laughs> Not anymore. He doesn't. Look at that, guys. We came full circle. We started like this and we end. Uh, Hey, Les, this was great. This uh, phenomenal. Have you pop by? I gotta, I gotta, before we go though, we gotta give you a chance to shout out the favorite restaurants Laz has hit in his stay back in New York City. Most people come to New York and they kind of blow up the, uh, the expense account on all the great restaurants here. I just go to the same pizza and bagel place every time. I go to Essa Bagel and I go to Pizza Supreme and I gain like 20 pounds in a week. And, uh, but, uh, go to Hobby's Deli when you're in Newark. That's all I'll say. Yeah, Abby's hey. Deli is the place, right? With the can't can't get bagels and pizza like this in Chicago. That's all I'm saying. Yeah, well, well, Julian knows a good bagel from his days in Montreal, right? It's a different Saint Vieter, man. Let, let's not let's not compare. Let's not do that. Saint Vieter bagel. You don't get any better than like Montreal the bagel. Are the than hole in bagels. the middle is so giant, you can't even make a sandwich out of it. Okay, that's what you think. I've had a delicious sandwich with bagels back home. <laughs> And they're great. Uh, I don't know what you're on about. I don't think you need to defend New York bagels here. Uh, I should mention, though, we did make a joke about Tucker Carlson. Uh, I think it's only fair to the other side that we say, hey, they can't watch Don Lemon either. Bye, Don. That's right. <laughs> I know. Uh, just trying to get both sides. There we go. Both sides again. All right. Hey, we're going to leave Sorry. it there. Sorry. And uh, this, Laz, this was great. So safe travels to you, Laz. Uh, as you continue to cover the Stanley Cup Plus, we, uh, we love having you on here. So thanks for dropping by the Monday, uh, the Monday show. Thanks, guys. Always fun. All right. Peace. Uh, yeah, listen. I uh, want to thank everybody for listening to the Monday edition of the Athletic Hockey Show. Follow us on your favorite podcast platform. Leave us a rating and a review. We appreciate that. And as always, Julian, we got to shout out our producer, Chris. Incredible work on this show. It's better every episode. You can just feel it. Yes, he doesn't sir. write that in. Big Chris out here. Thank you for making Very us sound good. good on these podcasts, man. We appreciate you. He's in a good mood. Diehard Rangers guys teams up to one. <laughs> uh, and right now, uh, subscription to The Athletic for one year for a dollar a month when you visit theathletic.com slash hockey show. Corsi. 